What up, Hyperchange? Welcome to another episode. Today we're talking about Nikola Motors, this company, uh, huge in the headlines, basically valued around $12 billion company, um, this new hydrogen truck startup that has this massive vision to basically build these hydrogen fuel cells, um, reinvent the diesel class eight trucking industry, make us go you know, zero diesel with this combination of short range battery trucks, long range hydrogen trucks. They have a bunch of other products, really kind of big visionary CEO, Trevor Milton guy, who's gotten a lot of press. Um, and I, so I've been reading about this story, diving into it, um, and I got Matt Joyce here on the show to help us break this all down. So thanks for coming on, Matt. No problem. Um, and I kind of wanted to just, you know, dive deep on this story of, you know, on one hand, I'm seeing in the financial media, it really being told as like this next generation, super disruptive company and big tech IPO, a lot of people I know buying it. But on the other hand, like, the business end is like, okay, this is a company that did a reverse merger with a company called Vector IQ, sort of different, very unconventional IPO approach. They're losing, you know, they lost $88 million last year. They're not going to generate material revenues for at least another year. Very unclear what their strategy is and go to market, you know, value or what the actual value in their technology is since they're outsourcing everything, but they also claim to be vertically integrated. Like there's just a lot of confusing. And frankly, I think this is one of the most interesting businesses we've had the chance to look at in a long time. So yeah, it's been super intriguing, and I did a pretty big deep dive over the last, like, 72 hours, and it's basically controlled our conversation the past yeah. few days. Yeah, we've, like, been obsessed with Nikola, yeah. like, literally reading it, everything. It is a really interesting case study. Like, I don't know if the hydrogen fuel cell technology for long-range, long-haul semi-trucks, you know, if that'll be a niche that actually work, works tech-wise, but... I just am really confused by the statements that I'm hearing from Trevor Milton. J.R. Mack Investing, he did an interview with them days ago, and it was, not many people can out Elon Elon, and I'm one of them. Nikola is the pioneer in heavy-duty trucking, and Tesla's just really just following in our footsteps. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of them are uh, really believe that Elon is like this, this great person that can do anything, and it's when they see someone else being able to actually beat him at what he's doing, they, they hate that. It's so look, we're not getting into the cars. We do, we do trucks. We do, you know, huge semi trucks all the way down to medium duty trucks for business, like the Badger, uh, you know, the stuff. We only focus on markets that actually create revenue in, in any economy. And so I, it is a huge picture. There's no doubt. There's very few people that can out Elon in this world and that, and I'm, I'm one of them. I, I have no problem with him. I think he's a, I think, you know, what he's done is awesome, but there's uh, it's it's kind of hard when uh, you know for his followers to see someone that can actually build something bigger or or uh, um, or more competitive than what he has. So that's that's why we get a lot of that hate sometimes. And that's where it's like, what does that even mean? Because you have ten billion dollars in pre-orders. Like yesterday, I want to stay up to date on this company and its products as they roll out. So I pre-ordered ten Nikola ones, ten Nikola twos. 10 Nikola trays, five Nikola waves and five Nikola NZT off-road vehicles. So is he counting that as pre-order revenue? Pretty sure he is because nobody, he's not taking any money. Like at least for the Tesla semi, you have to deposit $20,000. What percent of those orders are going to go through? Like it's got to be a high amount. Like I know Elon gets a lot of flack for the thousand or one hundred dollar pre-orders for like the Cybertruck, for, for example but like zero dollars and then claiming it's pre-order sales versus like if you're able to take you know half a billion dollars in pre-orders like tesla can probably do that's impressive either a small amount of money with big volume or 
a large amount of money with fewer volume. Like either way, it's kind of the amount of money that you can pull in on the pre-orders that I consider uh, most important. So I don't know, counting $10 billion as pre-orders when I don't know how much he discounted for my order yesterday, but that's a lot yeah, of like revenue. Yeah, like $0 reservation, zero info. Yeah. Like, and this is the number they keep touting, which and I is think that, is interesting. Is that 200 k roughly for like the semi-truck or is he counting also the lifetime hydrogen fuel sale, uh, fuel sales in theory, which would be roughly a million dollars per truck? Yeah. And it's almost like, I think, and it's interesting because they also will tout like, oh, Anheuser-Busch has ordered 800 trucks or, you know, all these other companies have ordered trucks. I think they have, they have a Pepsi, Amazon logo um, on their like slide deck about who their customers are. And then on a similar level, when they're talking about production of all these trucks, they have all these partnerships and, you know, they're building up a massive fleet of hydrogen fuel cells to charge all these trucks. But they need all these partnerships too as well. So I think that's one thing that sort of confused me is like, well, it seems like a lot of really big name, like powerful companies are involved. Yeah. So Nikola World... 2019 that's where uh it was a great show like very theatrical budweiser clydesdales and the founder and ceo of nikola motor company trevor milton and he literally comes in uh riding like a carriage pulled by the budweiser clydesdale horses so it like to me it was kind of funny because i thought it was literally a pony show <laughs> and uh, you know, he said 800 Anheuser-Busch ordered 800 semi-trucks and it's like, what we do is we go and we pre-sell our route. Like with Anheuser-Busch, we announced an $800 million order with Anheuser-Busch and this would be point to point routes, right? These trucks drive the same route every day and they never leave that route until they die. Okay. First of all, if you look into it, it's up to 800 and then it comes down to like, can you produce them? And produce them at the performance specs and pricing that you are that you agreed to in that kind of pre-order order whatever you want to call it from Anheuser-Busch so so, so for Anheuser-Busch the risk is basically zero it's like yeah like we'll yeah. you know we don't we'll, know we'll exactly no money down and we don't have to do yeah. anything until you can prove that he didn't clarify works. which ones were soft and which were hard but it did say up to 800 vehicles while well, he's saying oh this is awesome like 800 vehicles that's 800 million miles replaced for diesel trucks and then he can kind of extrapolate and say oh that's yeah. going to be like 800 million dollars in revenue because it's a million dollars a pop including the fuel and that just seems which, like and it's, it's so interesting so it's hard. A, right and it seems like when you kind of slice everything on its own it's like oh it kind of does make sense like but then as the deeper you go into it, it's like, what have they actually done? Like, that's that's where I came to And it was really complicated. And I think this is another reason why people are misunderstanding it. Like, to go into the SEC filing and figure out, like, what Nikola is actually as a company. They only have, you know, they've never done over a million a year in revenue. A couple hundred thousand. They lost $88 million last year, up from $70 million, and then up from $17 million the year before. So... Like you have this company that really hasn't done anything and is burning money, yet they're saying like, we've got the Nikola 1, we've got the Nikola 2, we've got the Nikola Trey, we just came out with the Badger pickup truck, we have the WAV, um, or the Wave uh, jet ski, the WAV, <laughs> I think the WAV's a better name. But like, what have they actually done? Nothing. And then I'm like, well, why do all these partnerships and people want to work with them? What technology do they have? Because they're outsourcing everything. So on one hand, I'm very confused about all of this. And then like, another thing on the financials that kind of like, has me being super curious is like, okay, Nicola on Rob's show said they were going to, or uh, Trevor on Rob's show said they had, a, we're going to have about a billion in cash after the IPO, no debt, pretty clean balance sheet. So 
I think part of that is like, that's nowhere near enough to like actually bring a vehicle to production. Like they're going to need a lot more than that if they're doing it vertically integrated, but I'm not sure if they're doing it vertically integrated or not. Like it's so confusing to me. The difference between Nikola and everybody else is that we provide the entire supply chain. So that, that means not just the truck, but everything with it. That means the truck, the fuel, the service, the warranty, and the maintenance. Very similar to Amazon, how Amazon controls the whole supply chain. So we decided, I was like, you know what? I wanna, I'm gonna do a different business model. I'm gonna partner with everybody. I'm not gonna do anything myself. I'm gonna partner with everyone. So now we've started partnering with the biggest people in the world to actually help us. Because what I, my point I want to make here is he said on Rob's interview, like we're only burning one to two million a month. So with the with the reverse IPO with um, Vector IQ, you guys feel like you're in a good capital position to sort of get to where you want to be and have that be cash flow positive and then build from there. Yeah, I mean, we raised over 700 million in this uh, in this in this IPO on Thursday. It's all all that funds in. We we had a lot. Of, we had quite a bit of money on hand already. Um, and after that, it's all in our filings. And after that, we'll have about with the with the warrants that'll come that'll essentially be called in from the, once you hit a certain mark, then people can exercise their warrants. You know, we'll be over a billion dollars in cash sitting in our account, and that's and that's a good feeling. We have no debt. We're not servicing debt. We don't. You know, we're actually a very we're not that big of a company. We're 350 employees, so our burn rate's really low, a couple million dollars a month. You're not dealing with a $100 million a month burn rate. That's our burn rate. I don't know if he misspoke and meant 10 to 20 million a month. I think that'd be a lot closer, but the company burned 88 million this year. You know, that's like 8 million a month. So, and then I'm reading the SEC filing. It says all of our expenditures are about to radically increase or significantly increase because of all of these reasons. And um, so I'm just like, it's just so hard for me to figure out actually what is going on at the end of the day. To me, it's like an office of a company with a brand that has all these agreements and partnerships in place, but they aren't actually doing something. And I don't have a problem with Nikola doing this like outsource different strategy. But to me, where I'm very scary and sketchy about this is like, this is worth $12 billion. Like when you're buying in at Nikola, for my understanding, the market capitalization of $12 billion, like the amount of growth that's priced in their projections that original, if you look at the, the way the deal went through, they project revenue out and sales out for the next three to four years. And that is was to ju those projections justify a $3.3 billion valuation for the auditors. Those projections have them going to $3 billion in revenue in three years um, to justify the $3 billion valuation. So you're like, you're just so far away from remotely justifying this valuation on any level, even their own projections out don't even justify a valuation like this. So yeah, so 2019, they burned 88 mil, right? So that's like 7 million a month. And then on Tesla Daily, he said they will be burning one to two million a month. Yet you are going to launch seven vehicles over the next two years and build out hydrogen fuel station infrastructure across the country. And you're going to burn way less money than just your rate in the past, like 12 months, basically. It, it just doesn't add up to me. I don't yeah, understand. It. I almost think he had to have mis misspoke and it was 10 to 20 million. Well, he didn't miss misspeak on the hydrogen fuel cell station average costing 10 to $20,000, he said. And then he later tweeted 10 to 20 million. So obviously that was misspoken. And then he tweeted yeah. recently they did a purchase order, $30 million purchase order, which he said would build out like five stations. So, I mean... <laughs> honestly it's all over the place it's, it's just really difficult to understand and then when you're talking about like for a really long time he kept saying in interviews that Nikola is vertically integrated and now it's the exact opposite of that like they have 
is it Aveco? Yeah, Aveco, like Italian yeah, truck so maker. Aveco is building their fac- factories, producing their vehicles. Uh, they announced they had this big like press release splash that they were partnering with Ryder to sell and service their semi trucks at 800 locations, just touting it as like this big deal. And then recently, it looks like that fell through. And then he's tweeting it as if it's a good thing, like, "Oh, we no longer have to be exclusive with them." like okay so you have nobody to sell and service your vehicles and then he's just like oh yeah we'll just go the dealership model so you guys are going to sell the trucks to the dealerships and they're then going to be responsible for servicing the trucks and providing all the parts or how does the part where do the parts end up coming from then so we we do ship the parts to the dealerships for for housing so they'll have all the you'll have third-party logistics centers and then you'll have parts on site at all the dealerships very similar to like what you do with you know Volvo right now. If you have a broken mirror, you can walk into a Volvo dealership and pick up a mirror on the spot. They have it in their warehousing right there. So it's the same thing. Like we'll have all of our parts at these dealership locations. Um, and that way we don't have to house them. We don't have, cause they're already paying us for them. So it's an instant stream of revenue. You can have your factories up and running for those parts. You can build more parts. All the dealerships buy them. They stock them. It allows you to have instant access to parts. Most of them and it becomes a lot less capital intensive when it comes to servicing your customers. So yeah, all the dealerships will handle everything for us at this point on. Okay, have you found the dealerships that are gonna be selling and servicing your vehicles? And like that's also a model that has basically just been disrupted by Tesla in the first place. So if you're like a, a company from scratch, you should vertically integrate and probably not use that dealership model. So why do you think they've been able to justify such a big valuation? Are people not looking into this? Is this, this is what my confusion, like if this was a couple billion dollars, I'm like, okay, like maybe like, let's take a risk and see what they have. Cause I do, Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the mission and the vision of the company, but it just seems like it's so sketchy and it's like all, it's like all talk. It's like all bark, no bite, you know, it's like all hype, all hype. And it's like, well, like, you know, where's the truck? Like, is the truck making deliveries? Like, no. And it's not even planning to make deliveries for a year or three years for the hydrogen truck and then one year for the battery truck. So they delayed their hydrogen trucks and all of a sudden they became a battery truck company and that's their first car they're gonna bring to market. It's actually a battery truck, um, which is super interesting to me. And they've also have this big press release about a new battery breakthrough at 500 watt hours per kilogram energy density that's gonna be in this new truck. So I, you know, I'm deep in the battery game. Tesla, that's double <laughs> what Tesla is. The, the battery 500 consortium, the leading academics in the world of battery technology just put out that they can do 350 watt hours per kilogram um, at 350 cycles. Nikola already says they have a 500 watt hours per kilogram at 2000 cycles or whatever, ready to go into mass market. Like the science people are, let alone cost effective, they can even get the cell in the lab to be remotely as good as what Nikola is claiming is ready commercially for to be in a vehicle. Like, yeah. or is like, they have the breakthrough of, and I'm like, where was your battery lab? Who are you working with? Who's going to produce your batteries? Like, what is it? Cell? Is it cylindrical cell? Is it ba- like, you know, when I die and when I see how hard it was for Tesla to do this and actually just bring one battery electric vehicle to market, like that's what I'm like, man, like the work to go from the honeymoon phase of just showing this truck to actually d- making a thousand of them is going to be so, so hard. Even if you have, even if you are outsourcing all of it, which to me makes no sense. Cause I'm like, why, what is Aveco paying Nikola for? If they know how to build the factory and the truck. Well, I guess Nika, Nikola has the best battery breakthrough in the world that they're giving to them. <laughs> you know, it's just he, like, it's he, like, okay. Like, yeah. like when I read it, I'm like, okay, this is dope. This is exciting. This has potential. And then I like read into it. I'm like, well, 
there's no way your battery's actually this good. Like, yeah. like you literally like would be laughed out of the room. I think if you showed that to the leading battery experts in academia. Yeah. So, you know, and in the interview yesterday, Tesla Daily, he he addressed that because Rob asked him about it, and he goes, "Oh yeah, we can make the battery cells at like one fourth the size, but we don't have the equipment to make it full scale." And- We're probably about four months away from having our full size cells being, you know being tested into packs and bigger, bigger systems to where we can, that, you know, the smaller size, no problem. We have them down to like, you know, quarter scale, you know, like the smaller size of a battery, not a full. What we decided to do once again, like our truck was, is that we, we like to pioneer tech, but we're not the best at producing it in production, right? It's just not our talent. We're not good at it. But when you get into the high cycle cells, no one's been able to really figure it out. Um, and it wasn't really, it wasn't really us. We, we just found some brilliant professors that were actually working on it and we licensed all the IP from these professors, it's half the cost. And so our goal really is just to produce it or innovate it and then hand it off. And we've been talking to battery companies and we're probably just gonna hand it right now. If everything goes to plan by the year's end, our goal is really to hand it off to someone and let them commercialize it and they'll give it to everyone around the world. That's our goal. Okay. And that would be somewhere in the range of like $50 per kilowatt hour to $100 per kilowatt hour is essentially what you're getting at. We're, yeah, we're hoping between 50 and 50 and 70 is our goal batteries to market so we're just going to give it to a battery supplier and all evs can use it including us and it's just good for the world like okay so you have a battery breakthrough where you just doubled the energy density of batteries which would be worth so much money it just it just doesn't it just doesn't i mean it's up. possible I'm, I'm almost like want to give trevor the, the uh benefit of the doubt and i would say like we should have said this at the beginning of this like he's happy to come on hyperchange like he's got the open invite um to you know walk through yeah. these things just and to clarify to and like clarify, we're just like, really confused yeah like i'm i'm genuinely extremely confused as to what their strategy is and then it's like you know we've seen a couple examples of companies try to build hydrogen um fueling stations in the future like like clean clne i believe like this basically like okay gas sucks we can do hydrogen trucks it's like super long distance like there's kind of been rumors of this technology for a long time. Um, but then, you know, I look at that and I'm looking at these videos that Nikola has, of these hydrogen fueling stations. I mean, this is, you literally have to build up all this massive infrastructure from scratch. The amount of money that it's going to take is huge. I even think in their SEC filings, they're like, we just need a billion just to build out. Hi-. So, and if, okay, this is where like really drilling down into some nerdy details, but this is where the confusion happens. So your CapEx per year does only scales to like six or 700 million per year by 2024. That's way less CapEx than like Tesla would have had to do to launch a similar vehicle program. But you're also going to have to build out an entirely network of hydrogen chargers as well. Um, so I just feel like, but maybe those numbers are all off because all of their partners are putting up all of the capital, but that just seems way too good to be true. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm trying to find like what is their core competency? What is their value and strength? And it's like, okay, they're not building the factory, they're not building the vehicle, they're not selling the vehicle, they're not servicing the vehicle. Uh, when he was asked on another interview about like our, they were asking about autonomy, right? Because that's going to be a huge thing. And uh, semi trucking is probably the lowest hanging fruit for self driving because it's mostly like all highway, right? So that's really important if you're going to invest in this business. Like, what is their autonomy strategy? And they asked him, like, oh, are your uh, vehicles autonomous and, he, and, like, level four autonomous? And he said, uh, yes, our semis are level four autonomous. And then basically said, like, we just need to partner with an with an autonomous tech company that will basically make them level four autonomous. It's just like, what does that even mean? And then it's like, okay. 
he said that the powertrain and uh, battery management system, that's like in-house stuff. So that, I assume that also means like the hydrogen uh, fuel system that's mm -hmm. in the vehicle. Like if that's your internally developed tech, that sounds pretty cool to me. Like that sounds value added. Like right? the, the design of the hydrogen fuel cells. Like system. the powertrain of the hydrogen electric yeah. truck, right? Yeah, and that's So if that's internal, cool. That, that sounds like that's valuable and pretty difficult to do, especially if like it makes sense with that long haul trucking uh, kind of niche, right? Yeah. Uh, business model wise. Um, the thing that I don't get is, okay, if you've got this like basically killer powertrain, I went to their website and the only vehicle with specs and pricing was the Nikola NZT. And that's the off-road vehicle, right? And which does look dope. That's yeah, the, that's the funny cool. thing about Nicholas. Like you see it, and you're like, "This is dope." Like this yeah. is like, like <laughs> no, it looks great. But the issue is that it has a 125 kilowatt hour battery, and on the website it says range of up to 150 miles. Meanwhile, the Tesla Model S has a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack, so 25 less, and goes basically 400 miles now. And I, I assume, like, they don't have the weight listed for the NZT, but I assume the Model S is bigger. Maybe not. But, like, yeah. that's a pretty large sedan. And it starts, this is the limited to 2021 production model. So later on, there will be cheaper models, right? Mm -hmm. But this limited one, for those specs, it starts at 80K. Starts at $80,000. You can yeah. get a Model S for 75K. Yeah. Do you want a Model S or an NZT? Like, if you're a big off-roader with extra money to throw around, I get it. But the price for that performance is really, really, really bad. Objectively. How do you think this plays out from here? Because they raised a billion. They're only, even if they triple their burn rate to 300 million a year or whatever, or from 88 million, like, they have years worth of cash. They don't actually have to deliver a battery electric truck until 2021. It sounds like late 2021, like... I feel like they they have just infinite time to kind of just hype. And then the other thing that's really interesting to me is this whole like Trevor Milton, a company he owns is basically selling 7 million shares at 10 bucks a share and he's getting $70 million on sale. And he's leaving to not become CEO and they're bringing another CEO and he's just becoming executive chairman. So I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm, I'm like really scratching my head and very, very curious to see how this comes out. Obvi both of us don't have any vested interest in Nikola for now, but... I'm just like, I'm going to be a fascinating bystander of like, how does this go out? Because my theory is when the next conference call happens um, or the first conference call and they really explain the burn rate and all this, what they're doing and their plans and how they're going to have to raise more capital eventually. Like, I think that's when the clock's going to start ticking and people are going to start asking harder questions. But um, until then, I feel like there's no negative catalyst because... Yeah, so one, I think it's pretty interesting that he is no longer CEO as of today. Like, you haven't put a vehicle out the door yet for sale, and you're already no longer CEO. And then, like, on these interviews, like, J-Mac lately, uh, he said, the technology is there, the business model is proven, the only risk is in execution. Why are we, why do we have so many people rallying behind us? It's because we're the only group that's really thought out the entire process, vertically integrated from beginning to end, where there's no, there's very little risk in the in, in our model now. It all the risk we have is in execution. That's really it. The technology's there. 
the business models there, the profitability is there, the revenues there. All this stuff is ready to be executed on. The only thing we have to do is is just the execution, and that's it. Which I find ridiculous. One, now he can just basically lay it at the feet of the new CEO and say, hey, this was all set up perfectly for you to crush it. You failed. He didn't execute well enough. Who is that, like Mark Russell or something? Yeah. Uh, where it's like your business model is proven. What does that even mean? On Tesla Daily, later on, he straight up says, like, we're no longer vertically integrated and we have changed our business model so many times and we continue to look at it monthly. How yeah. is that already proven? Yeah. It's just like, cause but, your numbers make sense. And it's like, interesting. Cause paper. like you, you take it at face value and it sounds like it's so like the business lingo is on point. He's got a great, very articulate, very kind of charismatic, like visionary. But then you like dive down and it's like, well, I swear to God, you just said that you're vertically integrating, but you're also saying how stoked you are that you're not even building the factory and you're outsourcing the building of your car. It's like, dude, this is like, you know, it's like you're saying the sky's red and it's blue and we're all looking at it and it's like, you know. <laughs> so I think the the biggest reason why I'm skeptical of all of this is hydrogen. It's a totally new technology. You have to build all the fuel cells yourself. Nobody has proven this can work. There's always people talking about it, but nobody's actually done it. And the projects that have pushed forward hydrogen appear to be stalling and not making a lot of progress. So you know, what's your take on that, of this choice of hydrogen? Yeah, so uh, to be determined, if this is going to work, it'll be not the short-range trucking, it'll be the long-range trucking. Basically, if you need, uh, if you're taking a route that is many, many miles, then you would need a gigantic battery to not have to charge in between that route, and mm -hmm. that makes it super heavy. Uh, that increases cost, decreases efficiency from the increased weight, um, they have maximum uh, weight limits for trucking, so obviously that impacts it. Uh, so that's where, like, in theory, it, it could be interesting, and I'm curious to see if it works for that niche. But for everywhere else, I just don't think it makes sense. Like, you've got uh, kind of the rebuttals to hydrogen. You've got Elon Musk saying that they're hydrogen fuel cells instead of fuel cells. You've got the Volkswagen CEO, Herbert Diess, saying that basically pulling the plug on hydrogen for VW um, and saying that it doesn't really make sense. And then uh, Tanaka, the chief engineer of the Toyota Mirai, said Elon Musk is right. Uh, it, it just makes way more sense to just plug your vehicle in directly and just charge it. Um, so obviously... A uh, Mirai is very different from a, a long-haul hydrogen electric semi-truck. Uh, but what about, like, the Badger? The Badger, this is another thing. Not only seven vehicles are they planning to launch in the next two years, but then you've got all these variations of the vehicle. Like he said, they'll be selling the Badger BEV, battery electric only, with the option to install the hydrogen fuel cell later on at a later date and it's that just doesn't make any sense to me either like one it doesn't seem to make sense for anything but long-haul trucking and then two like you're going to design your battery electric vehicle from the ground up to include a retrofit for a hydrogen fuel cell then the next one we have, obviously, is one that was very popular to everyone that a lot of people know about. It's called the Nikola Badger. It's an electric pickup truck. Um, and this is really unique because it's not just a battery electric pickup truck. It's a it's the first ever kind of like hypervised blended truck. 
That means you can order it with battery electric only, and you can later put a fuel cell generator on it. But How it just doesn't make sense. Work? And to me, it's like, this is where I'm so confused. I'm like, are you a hydrogen company or are you a battery company? Because I don't feel like you can immediately come up with the world's leading technology at this of both industries at the same time and commercialize both of them, not only at the same time, in the same product. Like that to me is like, what? But then, you know, let's try and say the good side of this is like what you're saying, like, Maybe the battery isn't ideal for these super long haul trucks and like they're only doing the same route and you set up these hydrogen stations on that route. Like this could be an interesting like niche for that. And then they have like, you know, other different things where the the aspect and like the way they have in their investor presentation is like short hauls battery, long hauls hydrogen. They're mm -hmm. not competitors. They're complementary. Yeah. And then as energy density of batteries improves over time, it'll cannibalize those routes where hydrogen makes sense. Right. So it's short route battery. Uh, long route hydrogen and then as energy density improves then it starts to cannibalize so he's saying like over time he's also kind of admitting that over time hydrogen might not make sense at all if energy density improves drastically over the next you know decade and then uh, Trevor Milton is making a big deal about being first to market with the first electric semi truck commercial duty semi truck and it's like he talks about how it's such a big accomplishment to do that. And it's like, what doesn't matter is being first. What matters is how good is your product yeah. when you launch it and how is it going to sell with competition compared to everyone else. And that's where uh, Chevy made or GM made a big deal about being first to market with the Chevy Bolt. Like, how did that turn out? Pretty sure Microsoft made the first tablet computer before the iPad came out. Like, being first to market, that doesn't really matter. So if you're competing head-to-head -head with the Tesla Semi, with a battery-only Semi, which the hydrogen model isn't even going to come out until, what, 2023? So you're going up directly against vertically, truly vertically integrated Tesla, the EV powerhouse that has proven... Uh, that their business model works and that they can pump out compelling vehicles with great performance, great range uh, for a great price. So how are you going to compete when you're Nikola? You are outsourcing almost everything. Your core efficiency based on the NZT thing does not look very good. <laughs> definitely not backing up that 500 watt hour per kilogram. Like, <laughs> no. I definitely did not have that new cell in there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> So I just, yeah, I don't understand like how they're supposed to go head to head with them. If they were doing like the wave, right? If they get into electrifying watercrafts where we're up at the lake right now, I would love an electric jet ski. The performance would be sweet. It would be a lot more silent. Yeah. It would be, no, no oil uh, in the water. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be amazing. It would be awesome. And that's, that's where I'm like, I kind of like love the vision sometimes. Yeah. Like you hear him talk about it and you're like, wow, like, you know, he had his jet ski and he saw an oil thing and he was like, screw that. I'm going to come up with a clean jet ski. I'm going to come up with a clean truck. This is how the world should be. And you're like, yeah. Like, so that's the part of Nikola where I want them to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I am like, as like, I'm a skeptic and like very skeptical of what they're doing because of all these red flags. But I'm also like, you know, I, at least the mission is extremely dope. Yeah. And we're all on board with that. The mission to replace diesel trucks on the road, which I remember at Autonomy Day, I was talking to the Tesla semi-engineer, got to go inside of it, check it out, super cool. Uh, and he told me that like over 30% of vehicle emissions come from those commercial, comes from the commercial trucking industry. So even though it's only like 4% of vehicles on the market, 
the actual emissions share is huge. It's a gigantic piece of the pie. So I totally love the mission of trying to replace diesel trucks with electric or electric and, and hydrogen combined. Like I'm all for that. I just don't think he can compete with Tesla on electric only in their own segment when your core technology seems to be the hydrogen stuff and you're not even releasing, releasing that until 2023. So yeah. if, if it's like the watercraft, all in. Off-road, super cool if you've got a lot of money, all in. These little niches, maybe even the military uh, vehicle that they're doing with, that also comes with autonomous weapons tech, by the way, and a drone. Dope. So I don't really know what their core, competen core competency is, but it seems like it's literally everything. But also nothing, because they're outsourcing But, uh, but also not. So <laughs> how I see them is like a great name. You know, obviously you're uh, the first name while Tesla's the last name. Um, but I like, I mean, it's a good name. And then they're great at marketing. You've seen that. Like they've great at raising capital. They've convinced people that it's worth $12 billion. Yeah. That's what Peloton is worth. Like people might think that's overvalued, but they are absolutely crushing Peloton it has in a the happy customer. Industry. That's like yeah. the difference to me. It's like, I'm all like, like we got so carried away in like the hype, the vision, but it's like, bro, like this is a business at the end of the day. This is an asset that lost $88 million last year. That was their loss from operations. It's going to be years before they even get close to making money. It's probably going to be years before they even deliver something on their truck in that they sold commercially. Like this is, and it's already worth 12 billion. Like, I guess that's my point to a lot of these, you know, investors and people that are buying it. Like, like somebody should, like the financial model in their SEC filing only values them at, at 3.3 or 4 billion. And I think there's no way they hit the milestones in that SEC file. I'm totally ready to be proven wrong, but I just think you have to, if you're an investor in Nikola, you have to be thinking, okay, like, like to, to justify a $12 billion market capitalization, we have to be selling thousands of trucks profitably with extremely happy customers. Where Nikola is today to get to that point is, is, is a very long, very hard road mm -hmm. that most companies will fail very harshly in that process. So for the capital markets to give them all that leeway and give them all the benefit of the doubt that this chasm of chaos that no one has ever crossed except Tesla will be inevitably be achieved, that to me is the part that rubs me the wrong way. Tesla was worth $3 billion and until the Model S was delivering, you know, 15, 10,000 cars and they were on the cusp of delivering 20,000 cars in 2013, it was actually looking like it might happen and then the stock popped to around 10 billion or whatever, you know? And so that to me is like, okay, Nikola, you got a shot, but I think you should be worth 2 billion until you get a truck in people's hands that they love that starts to change the world. Then let's give you, you know, that's kind of like... Yeah, totally. And then another couple issues like being a startup, your strength is that you are small, quick, and nimble, totally. right? When you are outsourcing almost your entire business, now all of a sudden you're completely dependent on all of your partners at low volume. So you're probably, you know, when Elon talks about getting the A team versus the B team, we used to get the B and C team for component suppliers. And now we're getting the A team because it's actually a big program and growing and shows a lot of potential. Like, are they getting the A-teams? Well, so I, I would push back on that of like Bosch invest in their Series B and Series C component mm -hmm. suppliers. That's to me where the flip side of like, do they have something? Because yeah. they, if you look Some at their partnership it, page, like, like Bosch, like NEL, like all these big hydrogen companies, all these Ryder, you know, the big mm -hmm. trucking companies. And it's like, okay, well, like Bosch builds truck parts and they're investing in all these, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't more, know. More or of is the, it more of the point just being dependent on so many different companies 
when you want to be quick and nimble and have a, a fast pace of innovation, which is really what matters, right? And and from studying Tesla, we know the Achilles heel of everyone competing with Tesla is they outsourced everything and were not nimble and therefore did not own the IP and innovation and couldn't... The, the pace of innovation is like an order of magnitude slower if you're outsourcing everything to these random bureaucratic, you know, European company. So I think we should wrap it up. My final thoughts on Nikola is love the mission love like their vision for the future and i always give people props if you're going to be an entrepreneur you're going to try and change an industry do something bold and new love it so wishing trevor the best so much luck and success on this endeavor that's like you know the entrepreneur hustler in me analyzing this but then the nerdy financial guy reading filings is like this has way too many red flags for me to invest and i think like just core the business has way too many red flags for me to and the strategy that we've just that we've covered to invest and be on top of that beyond just the strategy and the red flags the valuation is nowhere near where it would even start to make sense and that's why i've said that i'm staying away from this stock as far as possible for now and i'm just going to be a watcher so um what what are your kind of closing thoughts to wrap up yeah, so until I see some more, my opinion is that Nikola Motor, their biggest innovation is business model, as in constantly changing. <laughs> pace of innovation. Yeah, could uh, be wrong. Their we'll pace see. of innovation at changing their business yes, model is one is place strong. they have Tesla beat, yeah. for sure. Core honestly. competency. Core competency, dude. You know, as, as our business model has been evolving, it's crazy. You know, people don't realize how many times a month we have to sit down with our business model and look at it and reevaluate how you how you actually do this. And everyone does it. Um, doesn't matter who you are. It's you yeah. sit down, you're like, there's five new companies that enter that come into the market and they're all hitting different points. And you have to figure out how to kind of weave in and out of all this to be successful. And I don't know. I think this is just in like the honeymoon phase of like, it's like, it's like too good to be true. You know, like we're not spending any money. We're launching eight trucks. No one's ever done this before. Everyone's paying technology. us. Everyone's things. paying us. Yeah. Everyone's already ordered it. Every big company's already on board. We've already raised billions of dollars. It's going to be a piece of cake. It's so easy that I don't even need to be CEO, CEO anymore. Like maybe it's true. And they have yeah. the holy grail of new transportation technology. And this becomes a hundred, five hundred billion dollar company and changes the game. Mm -hmm. Or this is just too good to be true. And they're just like all marketing and all hype. And to me, that is such a red flag of like, as much as people try to hate Tesla and they're going to say this is a double standard for like, you know, oh, well, Tesla had bold claims. Tesla did shit. Tesla executed. I liked Tesla when I got in the car and it drove me somewhere without emitting fossil fuels. And it was fun. And there was a big computer and I loved it. And I was like, a bunch of people are going to sit in cars like this and get from place A to B like this. And it's going to be awesome. You know, like I could like feel the product. And that was when Tesla was worth $3 billion. Nikola's worth 12 billion and you are years away from that moment. And to get to that moment is so, so hard. And then you compare like legacy automakers, that is kind of their business model is outsourcing a lot of the vehicle, putting, assembling it and putting their badge on it and look, and they have a ton of cash and look at what's happened there. Look at the products that they've put out. Their value proposition compared to Tesla isn't even close. So now you have a startup outsourcing everything with, Makes 700 million in cash with with another 300 million coming from the warrants allegedly uh so a billion in cash like i don't understand how they're possibly going to put out a product that is remotely competitive on performance and price compared to tesla when they're competing in direct segments awesome well thank you for your insight matt a hot take i loved it yep. this is going to be like you know 
it's so, so interesting to follow. So we're gonna be, I'm gonna follow it on the channel for sure because a ton of you have asked me about what I thought about it mm. and on Twitter, it's just blowing up and this is just like, you know, I always say investing, it's all about case studies. That's mm -hmm. how you get under your belt. That's how you get better, case studies. Analyze yeah. it, read the SEC docs and follow and see how this plays out. And, you know, maybe I'll learn and take it on the chin and have missed one of the greatest yeah. transportation companies of all time because I was too skeptical. And I'll take keeping, that out, you know? And keep in mind, we are long-term Tesla investors. Yeah, so, so we we're, if there's anyone to convince to get long Nikola and be a believer and yeah. pay a sky-high valuation for some technology nobody believes in, it's us. <laughs> well, technically, Nikola is a, a competitor, so we could be hating on them because we're pro-Tesla. Yeah. I'm just saying, we, we, be, we are yeah. long, so it is coming from that perspective, but still. We, like, we, a have, lot we have of the Tesla things, shareholders, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the things that he's saying just don't add up in my opinion and i'm very curious to learn more yeah all right well thank you all for tuning in def leave hit us up in the comments hit us up on twitter we want to start the conversation and keep skiing with all you guys about nicola see y'all next time peace <laughs>